You're now tuned in to the hottest podcast in the world. The Stay Woke Podcast. Right here on thesonicbreakdown.com. Welcome back to another Stay Woke Podcast. This is D-Ray Brinson, and you know the Stay Woke Podcast is presented by thesonicbreakdown.com. If you haven't checked out our review, you're slipping. Go check that out. Um, we definitely got new articles up. We got SZA, Vince Staples, Enjoy Badass, Logic. We got all types of reviews, as well as um, Africans versus African Americans, The Battle of Black Love, which is an excellent article written by um, Love Nafi, as well as Black Women Doctors. So you should definitely check out those articles on thesonicbreakdown.com. But let's get right into it. Today's topic is everybody's been waiting for it. Everybody's been anticipating. The time has arrived. Winter is here. The real GOT fans know is Game of Thrones time. We, I'm going to introduce, we got Ready. You've heard him before on other comic podcasts. What's up, bro? Yeah, what's up, what's up? Thank you for having me again on this uh, wonderful, wonderful Game of Thrones right now. And then we also have a newcomer to the podcast. We got Benjamin in the building. Hey, what's happening? This is Benjamin Onanowo, but uh, you can go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Cousin Benji. You know, we all family here, and I'm excited for this Game of Thrones podcast because I am a part of House Vision, and you will see the plot. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we also got Brother to the left. Yeah, yeah, what's happening? We got uh, a newcomer to the Sable podcast, but as uh, Benjamin just said, we all family. We got Lonnie in the building. What's going on? Happy to be here. Before we can really break down anything, we need to understand what has transpired already. So we're going to have Benjamin break that down for us and kind of wrap up the last season and get everybody caught up to speed. So we're all excited for season seven. I mean, they went ahead and hit us with the delay. You know what I'm saying? They hit us with the Heisman stiff arm to go ahead and push it back. It should have started already in April, but it doesn't matter. We are now a day away from Game of Thrones. So let's go ahead and get right into the recap. So season six, things ended on crazy notes. You went ahead and you had Jon Snow be declared as the king in the north. We'll see how that works out for him because it didn't really work out so weather for his brother, Rob. But then again, Rob really isn't completely his brother because as we found out, Jon Snow happens to go ahead and be the Targaryen. That was confirmed by Bran's dream. What type of dreams will Bran have this season? We don't know. On the other side of uh, Westeros, we saw... That Daenerys, finally, I mean, she might as well be the worst person in management in the history (laughs) of shows. All she does is conquer people and then mess up their cities. But somehow, someway, she is now on her way to Westeros. She has behind her houses like the Martell house, you know, with Dora Martell that was deceased in that last uh, season that was inside of the wheelchair. She's also got Varys uh, going ahead and supporting behind her. And she's got Lady Olena supporting behind her. So we'll see how this goes. And she's got the Greyjoys with the ships. She's got the dragons. It seems like these are immountable odds that she cannot be defeated. Unfortunately, we don't know how that's going to go there. Then on top of that, Sam. Sam's getting that education. He's out there in Old Town studying the books. He's trying to find out a way to go ahead and defeat the White Walkers. 
So he is there with Gilly, with little Sam. We got to figure out what's happening. Unfortunately, at that same time, hopefully he can go ahead and find a cure for House Friend Zone. Yes, House Friend Zone. You know him as Jorah Mormont of House Mormont of the late Mormont that died. That was the watch commander. And he happens to also be the uncle of Lady Mormont. He's trying to be getting inside those draws for Daenerys all day, every day. It has not happened, but unfortunately, he's still contracted some type of disease. He's a stone man. Maybe he could go ahead and get that figured out. We'll tune in this season and see whether or not he's going to be living. Then on the flip side, we got Jamie. He went ahead. The Blackfish was defeated. The Lannisters went ahead and took back over um, the uh, Riverlands. So Jamie's feeling good. He's come back to go ahead and see his sister, who is not only his sister. She is not the Queen Regent this season. She is not the mother to the king. She now is actually the empress of the throne. Cersei is sitting on top of it. She's got a mountain at her back. She's got a crazy maester that's making Frankensteins to her right. And we don't know who she's going to align with because Daenerys is coming down here with dragons, ships, and all kinds of Dothraki and Yunkai folks. So we just got to see what is Daenerys going to go ahead and do against Cersei. Cersei's trying to hold the crown down. So that's pretty much the recap. There's a couple other smaller characters. Arya, you know, she's out here murking and killing everybody as if her name is Deadpool. So we just got to go ahead and figure out what she's about to do. All we know is there's a couple more people left on her list and they might get got this season. So let's get into this season seven. And that was a wonderful breakdown. Nice quick wrap up. Brought it all together. So let's let's get right into this. Who has uh, their favorite scenes from any epi- or any season? It doesn't matter. It's your boy ready. So I ain't gonna lie. I I know some people here hate on Arya, but I love every scene with Arya. Like one of my most badass scenes was last season where she went from being this little hurt girl that gets stabbed on some random stuff by her like mortal enemy chick to basically taking down the no the no face people. Like that that was to me like some awesome shit. It showed the full development since the first season. We've seen Arya come from this little scared child that didn't know how to fight to learning from one of the greatest masters. Um. Uh, ben, you may be able to remember the name exactly. What was the, the, the master that taught Arya how to use a needle? Serial Pharrell. So he learned from him and became a, a freaking beast. And then she went from that to the known names. So she basically became like the first, uh, I would say, assassins of the, of the of Starks. And she's shown that, you know, with the list, everything she's done, she is not only my favorite character, but I have so much faith that this season, like, she's going to do some monstrous, massive murders, you know, serial killing type shit. All right. One that really sticks out to me. I won't say my favorite, but the one that sticks out is the one with uh, Hodor. Uh, when you when you learn about the origins of, you know, basically how he came to be. And, you know, just just the way they play with time in that scene is, is something I think is really special, you know, because what you see is in real time, you know, how he, you know, basically how he has that speech issue that he has going back from. I guess when he was a kid or whatever. Right. And you see how basically he was saying, hold the door, hold the door. Um, and because he was having a seizure and, you know, the whole thing, that thing went down. Um, now all he can say is Hodor. You and know? brother to the left, I ain't gonna lie, but I was so glad you brought it up because that was like, That's I remember claim. watching that shit. I was like, hold, hold, hold the door. Hold right. the door. Oh my right. God, hold the door. <laughs> so fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah, that shit was clean as fuck, man. Uh, yeah, hold the door was dope. I mean, you know, you saw a bunch of like, Instagram posts and stuff where they had like Hodor door stops out here talking about hold the door, you know, so that was a seminal moment. Uh, for me, there's multiple moments. One of them particularly that sticks out in my mind was definitely when it looked as if it was bleakest, darkest day for Daenerys 
They were surrounded by a bunch of assassins inside of the fighting pits. And then out of nowhere, you saw Drogon scream through in the distance and her dragon came to go ahead and save mama. You know what I'm saying? Like that was a seminal moment. But the, one of the things that cracked me up about that moment was I'm like, who was doing security at the fighting pits? Because they let a <laughs> bunch of dudes in there with knives and everything. You just seen them roll up and just start stabbing people. It's like as if there was like, a Crips and Bloods football game that went on <laughs> and they just randomly let people bring Uzis into the stadium. Like, what were they doing? Like, the security, I mean, they need to do a better job. So that was one of my favorite scenes. And then, to be honest, I am a true and true Stannis Baratheon fan. I don't care what you got to say about Stannis. You could bring out the dang memes talking about Happy's Father's Day. But we'll get into that later when I go ahead and predict why I believe Stannis is one of the most crucial characters to this show. But when he went ahead and all was lost as he was marching on Winterfell and he looked into the right and saw in the distance of the sun, and his homeboy said to him, my lord, I don't think there's going to be a siege. And all he did was look back at his men and draw his sword and march forward like a true boss. And that's why I got to go ahead and rock with House Baratheon and Stannis Baratheon, because ours is the fury. That's a hard act to follow. <laughs> I know Ben got all the, all the details and well, he's doing his thing. But I would say my favorite season... Or my, my favorite scene from the last season, I paid, I paid attention a lot to the dialogue. So when uh, Cersei was with the mountain and the religious fanatics came to, to, to come uh, to that meeting, she was like, no. Nah. And the guy was like, you know what? There's going to be violence if you don't come with me. And that's the line she says, I choose violence. Mm. That, yeah. that right there, that dialogue right there just showed her less assertion of power even after the embarrassment and with, with the Franken mountain behind her, she can basically do anything, even just with one guy. So that was, that was my favorite scene. That and that was an awesome scene, too, because the mountain went ahead and ripped dude's spinal cord out of his body as if his name was Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. That was crazy. Get over here. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I ain't going to lie. That, that was crazy. And I definitely agree with you. The dialogue and not only the dialogue, the way that she acted in that role, you truly felt, just as you said, I realize the power that I have. And if they don't realize it, they will soon learn. Yeah, that was that was a, a awesome writing on the staff, and then just awesome acting as well. Uh, Lena Headley, the head actress that plays Cersei, uh, I believe she's been nominated for a few Emmys. I believe she even won last year uh, for her portrayal of Cersei. I mean, she has just been on it. Um, you know, whether you love her, you hate her, you want to watch Cersei, and she's one of the characters, and also as an actress, has really put the show on a playing field to where it's universal. You can understand everything that's going on. I want to just piggyback off that and say, you can love her or hate her. I, I, don't, I don't think she's as polarizing as more of the villain. I believe she's a victim. I honestly mm, believe Cersei is a victim. And, and, and because based on what I've seen in the show, to me, she ain't no victim, bro. She's, she's definitely uh, in charge and, and in control of her situation um, more, more times than not. This is the reason why I believe she's a victim. Yeah, let's, let's break as, that down. As she went ahead and she talked about initially, one, from the books, not getting too much in the books with the show, but the show showed it when her son, Joffrey, died and Jamie came through to console her. The consoling turned into basically a rape scene. Um, she had basically been getting raped or molested by her twin brother almost all of her life. 
she was forced into a marriage. That's the reason why she took so harsh to what her father had said. I got to disagree because if you're talking about that, she was the one that was coerced into sex. This is, this is the dominant most chick I've ever seen in life in, in, in TV shows. I, I can't see that. She was, I see more like, like he, I, to me, I felt like he was more of the victim where she didn't really give him a choice, but to give him the dick. Like it, it seemed to each time. Look, think about even when we talked about the time when the son died, you, you said that he, he can he kind of did kind of force it that time. I'll give you that. But we think about early in the first season. We talk about when um they were in the tower fucking before um a brand saw them and he pushed them off the balcony. It was more of her like I want it right now more than him trying to get it right now. So I like I agree I agree with certain concept that one particular time when he died when uh the son died I believe that could have been one. But the rest of it I believe it was more of like she was coercing him over him coercing her. Well, in response to that, let's break it down. So from the tower. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get exactly what was exactly in the book that was described. But with the tower scene, one thing that was true was she did not ask Jamie to go ahead and push Bran out of the window. Jamie did that himself. And in the book, it's more implied uh, and it's just an actual fact that she even told Jamie, we could have scared the child. He was just a boy. Why would you go ahead and push him through the window? On top of that, Cersei is a woman in a world where unlike Brienne, she does not swing a sword. Her power, unfortunately, as exists within inside of a patriarchal world, comes through her guiles and her intelligence of her sex. And she was pushed off into a marriage with a drunken, whoring man. Then at the same time, her side dude happened to be her brother, who's extremely aggressive and has murdered people on her behalf. Hence why she's never gone ahead and told him about her situation with her cousin Lancel, because she had to go ahead and use that in order to free herself from the tyranny that she was under from her brother. And as a result, yes, I do believe that in a way from the start, she's been a victim because none of these things she put into fruition. All she wanted to do was go ahead and marry the prince, but unfortunately it wasn't the prince that she thought. And then she wanted to go ahead and keep her kids alive, but she's been living with the fact that she's had a prophecy that's told her for forever that not only are all of her kids gonna be shrouded in gold, meaning that was the metaphor for that they would die, but also that she would be killed by the Valancor. And the Valancor in High Valyrian is little brother, and that's the reason why she's been such an asshole to Tyrion, because she believes that that's her little brother. But, plot twist, Jamie came out after she did holding on to her ankle. So as a result, maybe Jamie is the one that will end up killing her because he's actually also her little brother. Definitely kind of took it in a slightly different direction. But just to kind of get back to if uh, Cersei's the victim or not, I'm, I'm going to also disagree. I don't think she's a victim. I think she's uh, kind of naturally malicious. Um, and I got two reasons uh, for that, or at least two points I want to bring up. First, I don't know if it was in the last season, um, but at some point there was a flashback to her childhood when she went to the witch in the forest with a friend and uh, and she basically got that prophecy that uh that my brother just spoke about and but you know in that scene she you can just tell she was a malicious kind of uh evil conniving little girl you know just just in her character so there's something that leads me to believe that she just kind of has always been that way um and then also you know you move forward um, and come to, you know, that that one scene where she finally got the woman who was mistreating her when she was being held hostage or by the, uh, you know, by the religious zealots. And, you know, one, one thing that stuck out to me when she had the mountain behind her, she was basically talking to the woman as she was chained to that uh, bed or whatever it was she was chained to. She was like, you know, I, I killed my husband because it felt good to be rid of him. She was also like, I fucked my brother 
because if he feels good inside of me or something like that, right? So, you know, to that extent, man, I, I don't see her as a victim. I see her as just a, you know, malicious, conniving woman. Uh, she's lethal. I love her. I love her character, you know that. But, you know what I'm saying? She, uh, I don't I don't see her as a victim. I just see her as, you know, she's essentially just a bad person. So, so brother, I agree and disagree with you. Like, there's certain parts that Ben said really good. Like, for example, when we talk about the religious zealot, I believe that whole concept, she was a victim. Because let's be honest, I don't care if you were a vindictive or a revengeful person. I'm just speaking on myself. If you had me walk through a square while people throw shit at me and I'm butt ass naked and you're talking about shame and messing me up, I know I'm getting revenge. It's not it's not how it's not it's not an aspect of if I know it's a massive win. So I would say at least in that one major aspect, she was by far a victim. But the reason why I say she doesn't have, wait, let me finish, let me finish. She doesn't have the complete victim mentality because of all the shit, like Ben said, she's been through hell and back throughout her whole life. Like, yeah, she was with a dude that constantly cheated. Let us be honest, the king, uh, Robert Baratheon, he, he has multiple Remember when we looked at what it was that season? But two? that was accustomed to the times. It was, but you still Ned, got, Ned, Ned was an exception. Also got on. To yeah, her. she was also raped by him. And they talked about that multiple times that he forced himself on her. So in any way, that is some concept of a victim. You know, even if we do say you know she didn't didn't have the victim mentality completely. But the reason why I'm saying she's not a completely victim is because most victims are. If we look at the psychology of it, you go inward. You either say fuck the shit and you no longer work or think about it, or you, you your personality changed to a more um inward person but instead of her she she kept the as you can say the maliciousness of who her character was where yeah you did some fucked up shit to me i'm not gonna let it go i'm not even gonna let it by the whole time from the minute i believe the minute when the uh, religious zealots got her even when she was being tortured because that's basically what they did to her from that point on she was like this is how i'm gonna get you back and and she knew about the whole dragon fire she even told the bitch when i get out of here i promise you i got you and it wasn't, it wasn't even like that false promise. She knew without a singular doubt that you weren't going to get away from me. And, and, and besides just her, we talk about the, um, the, the again, maybe Ben can help me come hard with name, the female that was going to marry her son. You're talking about Lady Olena's granddaughter, um, who uh, her name is escaping me right now, but Lady Olena's granddaughter of uh, the house gardener. Thank you. Um, and the reason why I brought that up, because even with that concept, you can see when she was first introduced, that she kind of gave her that look like, bitch, you're going to die. So when we saw the concept of her in the religious zealous temple with every one of the septons, every one of all the people, because if you looked at it very... And I just came back to me, Marjorie. So we're talking about Marjorie. Yeah, Marjorie, thank you, because I could not remember her name. But when you saw Marjorie and all the other religious zealots, everybody that ever wronged her in that temple, that building or whatever... Every one of us, no matter if you've read the book or TV show, you knew they were about to fucking die. It was just the concept of how they were going to die and would Marjorie be able to actually escape. She's always been vindictive enough where she gets everybody back into the way she believed they should get back, which is why I don't believe she's a complete victim. Okay. We've been spending a lot of time on Cersei. Anybody, any other particular characters that stood out important? Well, I mean, they're all important in different regards. They're, but they're that, all that, important. Yeah. Um, I think one of the most important characters is Sam. Sam is an awesome character. He's known as the craven one, meaning a coward, uh, as George R. R. Martin likes to write. Sam has killed a White Walker. He killed a Then. His main goal is to go ahead and protect little Sam and Gilly. Uh, he was totally embarrassed by his father, which let's remember why Sam even got to the wall in the first yeah. place. Sam got to the wall. He's the oldest child of House Tarly, Sam Walt Tarly. 
His father is a great general. They are basically the muscle for Lady Olena. They are the ultimate, like, fighting force within that house. And Sam was not a fighter. So as a result, his father one day went ahead and said, hey, look, uh, we're going to go on a hunt, and you're going to end up falling off your horse, and I'm going to hunt you down and kill you. Or you can go ahead and renounce all of your rights and allow your brother Dickon, who I really want to go ahead and take over this house, and you can go ahead and go to the wall. But Sam, I feel he's going to have the opportunity of maybe finding a cure for Jorah, as he's in Old Town and he's researching at the same time, too, he might go ahead and be able to find other ways to defeat the White Walkers. And I believe with all of those books that are there, with all of the records that they take, because remember, this is very, this parallels real life. So it's almost like the Catholic Church. And there's one thing about the Catholic Church beyond basically destroying um, other religious sources and cultures along the way. They do a great job of keeping records. And so I think at Old Town, the records must have been kept of what happened with Jon Snow and with a child being born in Dorne. So I think Sam will also find out and be one of those people along with Bran to maybe go ahead and discuss Jon's parentage with him and allow him to be able to figure out that he was the prince that was promised. And with that, one of the things I like to agree on, because he is surrounded by the books, Sam, I, it, we, we saw in um, the first season as well as the second season, they talked, the maesters talked about the ring that was an actual magic ring. Since we now know since the comet happened, the dragons happened, and, you know, Bran happened, all this magic had returned to the realm, I do believe think he's going to be the first maester of this generation because they talk about other generations of maesters having magic i think he's going to be that one to not only understand how to defeat the white walkers but actually bring magic back to the maestery which you know remember when they talked about it that the maestry was one of the first lines of defense against the white walkers it wasn't just the wall the wall was one aspect of it but maesters that was part of their goal is to record all knowledge like you said give those books to have how to do it but also record all possibilities and if we go back to the first season, when the first mace was talking about, you know, how he got that ring of magic, he's talking about that magic was a major part of the world the last winter. And if we talk about once winter comes, everything seems to change in this world. So I, I think without a doubt that Sam is going to surprise everybody. Being the coward he is, he's going to come back with some kind of power that shows he's indispensable, that he has to, that the maesters themselves that concept of what they learn is something that if you truly believe in it, you have that power. And I think Sam's going to show that. And it's going to be somehow connected again with Jon Snow, where they're going to get that kind of reunion with, you know, Jon Snow being technically dead and undead zombie, not zombie human being. But then Sam's going to give him that information. Like you said, Ben, like, yo, this is why you were able to come back because you are part of the people of fire, but you are a part of the people of snow. And he's going to show that through his own magical ability. Um, I think somebody to keep a lookout for is Littlefinger. I think, you know, just throughout the series, he's had a knack for uh, kind of being behind the scenes, uh, you know what I'm saying, not so much on the forefront of, of making moves, but still getting what he wants and, and being really efficient in doing that. And so, you know, ultimately, I think what, what Littlefinger wants is the crown. And I think he's like 10 for 10 uh, in you know, terms of his agenda. He really hasn't lost, you know, and he's, you know, incredibly sharp. You know what I'm saying? He's really resourceful. And, you know, again, just just really good at, at doing what he needs to do to get what he wants. So, you know, I just think it would be real good to keep out for Littlefinger um, just to see see what kind of power moves he makes in the, in the next season. I totally agree with brother to the left on that one. Um, Littlefinger, I mean, let's think about it through the seasons. He rose from being absolutely nobody to then becoming the Lord of Harrenhal uh, to now he's the Lord of the Vale. Um you know, married Liza Aaron. He's trying to go ahead and get the key to the north, which happens to be Sansa. 
Uh, another thing that I think, just a theory, John Aaron's child, um, uh, Robin, Robin Aaron. I think Robin Aaron is Littlefinger's son. Because to be honest, he had been sleeping with Liza for a very long time. And they talked about Littlefinger being the person that was the gangly kid that looked like he was in one of those like low budget, like, you know, South by Southwest type of like film festival things where you're trying to fight against the bully. And that was Littlefinger trying to fight against Ned Stark's brother, Brandon, uh, nearly killed, cut from navel to navel. Catelyn had to go ahead and save him. And as a result, I also feel Littlefinger started the Game of Thrones on a micro level. The macro is the song of ice and fire. But from the micro level, I believe Littlefinger knew and saw in some type of way that Lyanna and Rhaegar Targaryen were in love with each other when she went ahead and left with Rhaegar. And I think Littlefinger possibly started the lie that she was kidnapped. And that kidnapping lie led Brandon to go all the way down to King's Landing and then be murdered uh, while trying to go ahead and save his father, who was burned alive with wildfire, and started the whole damn Robert's Rebellion War, which then later on he came through. He betrayed Ned Stark. He went ahead and sold Sons off to Ramsay Bolton. He was just wheeling and dealing everywhere, so I totally agree with Brother to the Left about the fact that Littlefinger is arguably the most influential character uh, on the show, along with Varys, with the way that they go ahead and That's play the game. That's what I was going to say. I think Varys and Littlefingers are basically the... They're, they're the they're, antithesis to each, each other. other. Um, because, of course, um, Varys is trying to get Daenerys the, the power, and then Littlefingers is trying to acquire for himself. Well, um, off, to off topic and completely on topic, uh, George R. R. Martin himself, uh, creator of the show... Uh, really enjoys HBO's show Westworld. Westworld is absolutely awesome. And there was actually a theory that a lot of people came up with because George R. R. Martin said, I would love to go ahead and do a crossover show. And you're like, how are you going to do a crossover show with Game of Thrones in this fantasy-based world with dragons and all these things? And then you got this show over here that's like basically you're going to the Wild Wild West and there's robots that are on like, you know, supposed to please everybody and it's dealing with artificial intelligence like iRobot and it was very interesting where he basically talked about hey in the original Westworld of uh, film that was shot like in the 1970s with Yul Brenner that they had more than Westworld they also had a medieval world and just imagine this imagine if the show technically it ended as they said with Tyrion drunkenly stumbling down into an elevator shaft and then walking down said elevator shaft and seeing dragon parts and dead members that we've already seen, like Rob Stark and um, seeing Ned Stark and all these people. And then you think about it to where it's like, all right, what if the show was about Varys and Littlefinger basically going to Westworld, but it's a medieval world where the whole game is determined on who will you back to put on the throne? And I say that to basically say in agreeance that this show breaking down, broken down to a micro level almost is literally a power play of sorts between Varys and Littlefinger of who they're going to back. Everybody else is just pawns, knights, queens, bishops, and rooks on the chessboard that is Game of Thrones, and they are the players. Exactly. And that's that's exactly how I see the relationship between them two. Um, I never put it in that context of uh, Westworld, but... 
that's an interesting idea in theory. The one character that I want to bring up, unless anybody has anything else they want to add to Littlefingers and, and Varys, is Arya. To me, Arya, and I want to throw both of these things out there and, and get your guys' opinion. Just the evolution of Arya, because to me, that is interesting and something to look out for, as well as the evolution of Sansa. Because in the beginning, I hated Sansa. Yes. But until last season, actually, yeah, until last season, I grew to like her. And, and now I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for her to, to get some, some form of power because she's growing stronger. Just what are your opinions on, on so, those two particular characters? So with that, I mean, as, as a whole house Stark, you know, we've seen the evolution of each one of their characters. You know, Arya and Sansa have been, you know, Sansa in the beginning of Game of Thrones was really like a second or third hand character. She was a character that we didn't think would ever really do much or she wasn't a pivotal part of the show. And then as we, we go on, we start seeing that basically, you know, she was married into it. She got raped and all this other stuff where I would not be surprised if we see in this current season or even next season that she's pregnant with his child because you know you know he raped her consistently and all that bullshit which is you know sad but so that's on the side of 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 of, of sanja but Arya, we've seen her become she started with always this rambunctious child this rambunctious child like i said earlier that didn't have a clear goal in the show she went from a rambunctious child to the number one assassin in the show like when we talk about female assassins we got her and the you know the females from the land of sun or the land of fire um i, I don't want to uh, House Martell from Dorne. What he just said, because he has better memory, but has them with the where they were assassinating themselves, but she showed that she's above that. Not only is she proficient highly with her needle or her sword, but she's also proficiently proficient highly in, in sabotage, uh, camouflage, and espionage. She got trained by a group that will be a modern day, I guess you would call them like assassins or ninja, because she's found out how to be in plain sight without being in plain sight. So with her, I, I love just the... Show of they kept her rebunctiousness. They never got rid of it, but they expanded on who she could be. Her 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 role in 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 the show of becoming instead of just becoming this rebunctious child, becoming a knight for the Stark, becoming a knight for the North, where she can actually lead, be a general to the army. Where Sansa now has become where she won't be queen, but she'll be a different kind of general. Because I do think they'll both be generals. I think Arya will be the hands-on first, you know, ride on the horse. I'm going to war with y'all. But then Sansa, since we've seen that she has the intelligence to come up with plans or help with plans to be a strategist. I think she'll be more of those behind the back person where she will actually help the king, queen, or whoever it says they're going to rule at the time become the ultimate strategist. Yeah, I was going to mention Arya as a person to look out for. I totally agree as well. She's a pivotal character. I'm not that big of a fan of Arya. I'll be totally, completely freaking honest. But this is one of the things where I think uh, one of the reasons why Game of Thrones is such an amazing phenomenon as well is the fact that um, it touches all scopes of life, especially one of the things that is prevalent in today, especially with the administration that we're under, which is feminism. So as a result, of feminism i think all of you all that think that sansa you didn't like her and you liked aria are some of the worst kind of fake feminists because that is the same argument case in point where a feminist that is free a younger woman that has gone to college will talk trash about a stay-at-home mom when it's just like certain people choose to go ahead and be stay-at-home moms we talked earlier about cersei Sansa was in the exact same position that Cersei was in. Sansa was being groomed to go ahead and be the wife for Joffrey. We did not know that Sansa was going to be dealing with a psychopath to the same degree that 
Joffrey was. But Sansa, that was her whole thing. She was built to go ahead and do that. Then she got that life and realized that wasn't the life that she wanted to have. And then she went ahead and she moved on and she gained a form of freedom through Littlefinger, only to be tricked by the patriarchal structure similar to arranged marriages that exist in Eastern worlds and was moved on to go ahead and have to marry Ramsay, even a worse situation than Joffrey, because at least Joffrey didn't violate her physical being that she had. So as a result, on the flip side, Arya has always been protected. Arya, when she first came through, had the protection of her father and was allowed to go ahead and be whoever she wanted to be. Then when she had to flee King's Landing, she was lucky enough to go ahead and find Gendry that was able to go to protect her and the brothers without banner. After that protection, she went ahead and actually was protected by an enemy in um, Tywin Lannister, who went ahead and protected her when they were at Harrenhal. Then she only moved on to go ahead and be protected, you know what I'm saying, by the faceless men. She has always had male protection, so as much as we feel that she is this great virtual, uh, this virtual paragon of like feminism, independency, Arya has always had a male figure protecting her in some way and some form why Sansa has been left on her own to go ahead and strive as a woman and go ahead and figure it out and that's one of the reasons why I am a huge proponent that I am a fan of Sansa over Arya now what I will say to that is you make very valid points the reason why I didn't like Sansa is be not because of you you are absolutely right Arya was protected Sansa wasn't the problem that I have with Sansa is, one, is every time that she had an opportunity to help herself, not, not just that, when she had others, and I know this on topic, but branching out into other things, the in domestic violence situations, women will get beat by their husbands and they have situations to get out, but there's, that, it's their fear mentality. There's, there's so many components that go into it that stop them from doing that. So I get that aspect of it. So that's that's completely understandable there were situations where there was people that she knew that she trusted and that there was no there would be no consequences like she had opportunities to kill um i can't think of joffrey um and that were presented to her and she didn't take it yeah but one of the reasons what, why... what were the repercussions of that bit like i get it my thing is like in like let's say domestic violence situations yeah we're not living in a society where you can just kill somebody you mm -hmm. know what i'm saying and, and it'd be fine in that society you can kill somebody and if you prove that you had just cause people would just move on well Tyrion said it to her best when he approached her after uh she was reprimanded by joffrey and basically joffrey decided i'm going to go ahead and choose marjorie as a new wife and Tyrion tried to console her and at the same time hit her with a question uh so to speak basically asking her like hey you know this is a terrible situation what is going on and she went ahead and just shucked the situation was just all like I support my king. My father was a traitor. My brother was a traitor. And his exact response was, young child, you may just live yet. She had to go ahead and do what she had to do and rely back upon all the teachings that she had that had entrapped her in order to free herself from the entrapment that she was in. But the point I want to add is, if it, you, Ben said it kind of earlier, the whole Eastern mentality, so it's on track, but just follow me real quick. When you get the oldest girl of any family in any Eastern religion or any Eastern main culture, what is the role of the main female of any, any Eastern culture? It's always to 
It's a dowry system. Basically. It's a dowry system, and that's what she was. Let's be honest. From the beginning, even when we look at back the first season when she first met Do- uh, Joffrey, we knew when they when Joffrey because of her, Joffrey all the shit that happened when they killed the wolves that that was who her role was. And the re- the reason why I said I didn't like it had nothing to do with some of the stuff you said. It's more because I saw I didn't I saw her conforming to something that she didn't want to do when she had the power in my mind to be that strong, independent woman that could have change the whole role i felt that she was too easily conforming into the dowry system of the oldest child where from each time each time we, we talk about joffrey we talk about Littlefinger because Littlefinger basically had her for a little while when we talk about um the uh, ramsey that was you know tormenting her she in each time conformed too easily to the system that she was presented yes i know she had to survive yes i know she was doing what needed to be done but like like um d ray said she had many opportunities multiple times to show that she had that independent streak you did not see her true independence until basically this last season when she got back with her brother then you start seeing her becoming this strong independent and using her intelligence her her fear her furious ferocity who she was so that's why that's why in the beginning i didn't like her because i felt like she conformed too easily to the standards of who she was supposed to be the only thing that i would say is if you don't like sansa and you don't like the naivety that she had as a young child and all those things then you shouldn't like Daenerys because it's the exact same thing Daenerys was completely controlled by her brother Viserion was beaten by her was moved into a situation with Drogon where she was initially raped until she became to go ahead and love who he was only to be uh, betrayed by Miri Mazdora then let out by Khalasar then constantly tricked when she went over to the city of Zorozondoxus one of the few brothers that ever existed on the show that wasn't a slave she went ahead and was tricked by him they talked Tossed his ass into a vault, which he seemed like he had a bunch of money, but he didn't have no money. It was almost like Floyd Mayweather having to go ahead and pay the IRS so it didn't make no damn sense. So as a result, it was super bad for Daenerys to the same degree that it was bad. The only difference was Daenerys learned through the Dothraki culture of the respect of her physical self. She was constantly tricked and has still been tricked on the mental and political aspect. Sansa finally gathered the mental and political aspect when Littlefinger took her in. They went to the Vale. Her aunt was killed and she walked down the steps in that badass black dress and basically said, look, he's with me. He didn't do anything wrong. He's good. But unfortunately, he sold her away to Ramsey, who Ramsey, being a person that was of lower birthage, he did not give a damn about who she was and who she, you know, was as a Stark and just that lineage of basically being a part of an older house. And that's why he physically abused and raped her. The other thing that I do want to add in regard to Sansa is the difference between Daenerys and Sansa is Daenerys never had a strong, powerful woman in her life. Sansa did. Her mom was a beast. Her sister is a beast. That's that's the difference that I have. That's why I can that's why I do like Daenerys because literally she had nobody. It was her brother and her brother was an ass. Like her brother didn't care about her at all. At least Sansa had people in her life that cared about her one and then on two she had people in her life that were empowering women. I disagree well, about her thing. mother being a beast. I'll, yeah, I'll let brother to left you and jump in, but I totally disagree about her being a beast, about Kate, Caitlin Stark being a beast. She was not. You know, I, I think um, I'm, I'm going to try to simplify it a little bit. I think that, you know, th- both these women, you know, they, their lives parallel each other in a lot of ways. Um, they What they both have in common is that they both were in an abusive situation, a real bad situation in life, and essentially found a way to have some power. And Daenerys, obviously, at this point, has a lot more power than Sansa, but both are powerful women at this point in the game. 
Um, I think, you know, I think all of us, something we're overlooking in terms of not liking Sansa, uh, Sansa is that in the beginning, she was just kind of a spoiled little brat. And I think that's the biggest difference in terms of who you like or not, you know, because I don't think anyone liked her in the beginning because she was just a spoiled little brat who loved Joffrey blindly, right? Again, he turned out to be a psychopath, which she didn't know at the time. But, you know, she was really selfish. All she wanted to do was move from the north, go to the south so that she could marry the prince. And she was just really spoiled. She got her wish. Right. So, I mean, not that, you know, I don't know what, we don't know what Daenerys was like when she was younger because we didn't necessarily see her grow up. But Daenerys never had that spoiled brat component. When she came into the game, she was being, she was just in a bad situation and arose to have some power. You know, again, whereas Sansa started off as just spoiled and, and really, you know, it was easy not to like her in but the beginning. But to the left, I think the part that you're missing out, even, like I love Daenerys and, and I like Sansa now as well as Arya. But you said that we didn't get to we didn't we didn't get to see physically. Yes, the Daenerys grow up, but we did hear the stories of the Mad King and the daughter and the son. And when we talked about it, she had that same spoiled mentality in the beginning. If we look at the first several episodes of Game of Thrones, when um um. They had that little protector, you know, the brother. It was her and then the little dude that was trying to help them in the beginning. They talked about how she never understood anything about politics. She never understood anything about battle. This is why I got agree with Ben in certain capacities because Daenerys, yeah, she became cool because she got dragons and everybody loves a motherfucking dragon. It's a fucking dragon. If we look at her, who she is as a person, she's a fucking horrible human being. Like she literally goes from place to place, kills everybody. And then says you're free, but doesn't give him any kind of true structure. She did it with the Dothraki. We see how that, the original Dothraki turned out. We see that the slave city. We see how that fucking turned out with a whole tribe of harpy people trying to kill her. And then now she's technically doing that thing with, with, with um, Greyjoy while she's crossing the ocean. So if we do want to compare him, she did have that spoiled mentality. But the reason why I give her more shit or more... um more props is because it took her less time. She knew basically during the upbringing of being with, you know, becoming a Khaleesi and becoming a Dothraki with Khaleesi means queen or some kind of queen. She became what she always wanted, but she didn't understand what came with it. So she had a learning curve that was so, um, it's basically like school, you know what I'm saying? She had a 70% on a test and she had a hundred, she had to realize what the hundred percent took. And so she, she instantly got that life lesson of this is what I need to do to make it where I'm at. But she never was at the hundred percent because she was still at the 80 because she still doesn't understand the full capacity of what it means to be queen, what it really means to lead and run a whole country. If you can quickly, why you think, Catherine Stark isn't a strong, empowering woman. No, I don't think she was a strong woman. Okay. I think Catherine Stark was one of the more weaker women uh, that existed uh, Even on the show. Even weaker than Sansa? Um, you know what? Faced with what Sansa was faced with in comparison to Catherine, I don't know. We can't go ahead and put that in there. Mm. But one, she went ahead and... Um, in the book, she was the one that actually convinced Ned to go, but in the show, she didn't. But uh, just keeping to the show, one... If everybody, which probably not everybody here, but for the most part, a lot of the um, population of Game of Thrones are John Stark fans. She was too weak to ever go ahead and embrace and accept the fact that Jon Snow happens to go ahead and be your husband's bastard. And she was a complete asshole to him at all time, every day. If we're talking about the world that exists there, his best friend is Robert Baratheon. And it's known that Robert Baratheon's got like 20, 30 different bastard sons. Like most of the, that's the reason why they have the last name you take on as Snow or Sand or uh, Gardner or, you know, whatever it is. You go ahead and you take on these last names. So she was completely weak for going ahead and doing that. She went ahead to the same degree the same degree that Sansa 
had an issue when she was talking to Robin Aaron, her cousin in the veil, when he got upset at her for building their snow house and stuff, and she couldn't control him. The same way that she couldn't control her foolish ass son, Rob Stark, who decided to go ahead and ruin the whole entire war by marrying some random ass woman that ended up ruining their alliance with the phrase. And then she completed it by going ahead and freeing Jamie Lannister, who ended up as a result costing basically them the war and her son dying so as a result Catherine Stark tough woman as in like okay she survived an assassin thankfully for a wolf that she didn't care about saving her son but no she was a very weaker willed person in comparison for the fact that she always felt uncomfortable because she was a woman from the riverlands that was living in the north and she talked to ned on that ignosium and that's throughout the show and the book so do i think that she's strong just for being a woman that exists in game of thrones yes is she this like special woman that's put up on some like uh pedestal i mean she couldn't even go ahead and tie up Cersei's breastplate. I'm sorry. I agree. Um, I think I got some different reasons. Um, and I'll say she's relatively weak. Again, I think she's strong because, you know, because most, you know, most of the main characters that are women, you know, of that stature on the series are, are strong women. But when you compare her to Cersei or um, or Sansa or Daenerys, um, they're, these are women that got action at the crown. You know what I'm saying? Uh, she never had action at the crown, you know, even Arya, who's assassin, who's clean as fuck, you know, like, so when you compare her to them, you know, she's really, you know, there she's weak compared to them, you know, in my opinion, wait, but wait, just wait. in general, you know, I still think she's a, you know, she's a strong woman. So I, I just want to bring up something to both of y'all because so I, I disagree. I, I do think she's strong. So y'all, y'all, I feel like y'all using the weakness concept as, as a too broad. You you said that one of the main points that you think she was weak is because she never accepted Jon Snow. Let's think about this. We really gonna use this in a realistic terms. Her husband went to war. She trusted that her husband was going there to protect the kingdom, the the North, her and her kids that she already had. And then he comes back with another child. I don't believe that's weak. I believe that's hurt. You, you wait, wait, let me finish. Hold on. You got hurt because your man cheated on you and brought back a child that was not by you. I don't believe that's weakness. I believe that part's hurt. Hold on. Let me continue addressing the rest. Also, when we come to her son, Rob, when we look at any mother, any mother, when it comes to their child or any parent, you have to let your kids make their own mistakes. Yes. Sometimes those mistakes can cost them their lives, but your end goal was, I, you know, you are now the king, quote unquote, of the North and you have to act like a king. You cannot have your mother. Your mommy telling you what to do. You, she she had to pull back. That, that To me, that's a sign of strength where you know that something may be wrong or you know something may not be the best choice, but you have to let your kids make their own mistake and their own choices or they can never rise to be the king she was hoping he would one day be. Totally disagree with that. Um, we're talking about her. First off, let's just, let's just chop through this fable real quick. Um, her husband uh ned stark her husband ned stark she got married to two days before he damn near left to go off to robert baratheon's war because the person she really loved was his older brother brandon stark that died so she had no emotional connection to the man at all before they went ahead and they had kids but either way it was the same thing with him he, his wife died right before he wanted to marry her so it was kind of like neither of them had a complete connection it was an arrangement of of blood or, or, or of circumstance 
Well, he didn't go ahead and and have a wife. His real person, which she has not been revealed in the books and probably never will in the show, he loves this woman, Ashara Dane, who dang near looked like uh, Daenerys. Some people think that she was Daenerys' mother in the books, but that got dispelled or whatever on the show. But, okay, so Catherine Stark was with a dude for two days when she was crushing on his brother for, like, years, ends up getting pregnant by him but doesn't know until he's off at the war so because basically john and rob were about the exact same age she comes back with with the child and you want to be salty about this for why you didn't love the man you wasn't out there putting in work you was not out there practicing with them in heron hall or now in winterfell not shooting in the gym but you wasn't out there sharpening the blades in winterfell i'm sorry she was not special like that to go ahead and get that upset on top of that when it comes to her son, no, I'm sorry if Cersei, if Joffrey had an opportunity to go ahead and marry another woman and there was a situation where her daughter, you know, who had already been off in Dorne, if the Dornish folks would have said, we are holding this Lannister until you go ahead and tell your son to give up the crown or whatever, we're not going to go ahead and do something. Cersei understands the rule of power understands how much she loves her kids and i'm sorry they got to go even if it was jamie they got to go but ben ben but you're missing a prime example when we when we, when we think about cersei cersei's always had power she's a lannister one of the richest clans families in the world she run even when they weren't in the kingdom they ran the kingdom so you can't really compare that concept yes she has the army to throw at that the starks haven't had that they had the north and they had their clansmen but they couldn't just overrun the whole entire kingdom go all the way up to walk up to Ling king's landing like it wasn't shit and say give me back my daughter that wasn't a possibility you can't blame her for that weakness because that's not a weakness in her that's a weakness in who she married into Catherine Stark's a part of one of the oldest houses. It doesn't matter about the king. It's the houses. As we can all see from the Battle of the Bastards, the veil is pretty damn important. And they happen to go ahead and have what they have. Catherine Stark is a part of River Run. As we saw from the damn last season, it's important to control River Run. So much show that the Lannisters came all the way there to go ahead and help out the weak-ass phrase to go ahead and take it back. Catherine Stark is of high blood and high birth rate, so she understands what the deal is. It's no different about whether or not she's been in the mix for that. On top of that, living out in the North, the north of Winterfell is basically like living out in Russia, you know what I'm saying, during like the 16th century. Like, of course, what they had going on in um, Western Europe, they're not thinking what's going on in Russia completely. But at the same time, it's pretty important. And the czars, you know what I'm saying, knew what was going on. Because you brought up the veil. The veil, yes, the veil is a super important, very um, great group of people that you want to have on your side. But just like when they were trying to invade it, they are more important in their own land. That, yes, you cannot invade them because the mounds on each side and all that. In, in their land, they're important. But outside of their land, they're not that. They're not as big as the Lannisters. The Lannisters have always, we've seen, I'm only going by the book, uh, not the books, the, the shows. The Lannisters have more power than the veil, than the, the river run, all of them combined because they, they don't just own the kingdom. They own own the houses that are pleasant to the kingdom. They own the king. They own everything the king's with. So, like, even when we compare those two strong, I still say she's strong, female characters, one of them has the financial backing and one of them doesn't. If we look at just today, if you have money, you have power. She's middle class. Then we have Cersei that is basically high class making millions of dollars a year. She had the power to fight back. You can't really compare that as weakness because she didn't have the same financial or um, military strength that one the other person had.
I mean, I'll totally go ahead and disagree with that once again, because when you're talking about the houses, first off, the Lannisters had to go ahead and borrow money from the Tyrells. So they're not even one of the strongest houses when it comes to it financially. When it comes to actually swords, the Vale is a stronger house for fighting. And of course, House Stark is a stronger house for fighting. So I'm like, yeah, the, the House Stark is almost gone. Um, well, House Stark controls the North, just like how the Lannisters are House Lannister and there are other Westerland houses that exist and they are bankers with no gold. But so, you said they control the North. We just saw them start to control the North before. If we go past season, they lost their, they lost their people. They lost their home. They lost most of their power. Not until recently, this current season, again, by the shows, they didn't, they lost all their power. Arya was somewhere else. Sansa was being raped. Fucking Bran is over there becoming a wall master and some other shit they didn't have no real power they were basically bitch mode while the lannisters were still in power still running shit totally destroy all that with the fact that lady mormont herself of bear island the uh niece of jorah mormont the great uh niece or whatever of uh mr mormont that was running the um rangers that were out there with the night's watch it's clearly as she says I know no king, but the king in the north of the house named Stark. So at the end of the day, all of them still even waited when the Boltons were controlling shit. They were waiting for a Stark to take over before they all went ahead and bent the knee, pledged their swords, and gave fealty to the real rulers of what goes on. So now let's get into the predictions for this season. Um, number one prediction for the season, um, which has been a prediction for mine's. I'm in a group me chat for Game of Thrones. Shout out to that group me chat. We ain't got no name for it, really. Uh, but the wall will fall. That's the number one. That is without a doubt, complete 100% certainty that the Night's King will topple the wall somehow, some way. On top of that, I have a prediction that um you know we've seen it in the posters and stuff i was a big fan george r. r martin had a book named the uh ice dragon and so as a result i thought there was like another dragon maybe that was like in the wall so when the wall fell an ice dragon was going to pop up and that's what was me thing but to be honest i think when the dragons dies i think it will be viserion that dies uh when daenerys maybe takes her dragons up north or lets Jon snow borrow them and as a result the night's king will revive him um jorah i think goes ahead and gets the cure for the magical rock aids that he has on top of that, Cersei, I think, sits still on the Iron Throne when all is said and done. I think Euron Greyjoy shows that he is the new villain of the season. So that means multiple people are dying. So uh, Yara Greyjoy is dying. Maybe Theon's dying. A lot of people out here are dying. Uh, Lady Olena, she's lived a good long life. She's probably dying out here. And I definitely think the Tyrells or the Greyjoys or both of them will align themselves with Cersei. Euron will probably offer... a. Uh, as he says, his big dick to Cersei's, uh, along with, you know what I'm saying, his ships. Uh, Jamie will go, go ahead and be mad because that's the only, you know, woman that Jamie's ever been with. And I don't know what's going to happen with that. Uh, and the Hound will survive. Brienne will survive. Arya will survive. Littlefinger's ass will be dead. And uh, that's the way it goes. Some of that I agree on, some of I don't. Um, the one, the parts I don't agree on is the dragon part. I do believe since we talked about the last major war where the dragons were killed, I believe they already had one that was sleeping. So you talking about uh, one of the three would die. I think they already have a uh, dragon as a, a ace card in the back when it comes to the snow ones. 
because we, we know the last war when when they burnt the whole um uh, island of island of, of iron i believe one of those dragons are actually already been revived behind the wall just on that sleeping type shit so when they're really ready to be serious they're gonna bring that little ice dragon out and that's gonna be like ice dragon four or actually five because they talked about back then that two or three dragons that burnt that bitch down so i think they at least got one or two of them um the other part that i agree on you know Arya, all the starks are gonna survive this season but i don't think they're gonna survive all of game of thrones i have to disagree with one part i do think senza no not that senza um Cersei's. I do think Cersei may die. I think like that they've been building her up to this capacity where you know she's a beast. She's she's that bitch. You don't want to fuck with her. But I mean, every time we seen when Jojo Armand always had a character that y'all start to love to hate. What's the first thing we do? We got Joffrey that got killed in the awful way, and I believe she's next. And I think that's gonna be when the true fight for the throne happens. We were talking about a little bit earlier. I think you know John as well as Daenerys. They're gonna get together. We're gonna see them join forces to try to take over the throne. But I don't think Daenerys is gonna make it all the way. I think uh, next this season that's coming up, we're gonna see John actually get his true roots of who he is. That he's Targaryen and he's some other stuff. You know, just that real where he's coming from. I do believe Arya's gonna kill like a hundred people in this bitch because you know that bitch crazy. And then we're gonna actually really see Sansa. Um, you know, step up into who she really is, which is really, in all true and honesty, she is the true leader of the House Stark. Because you know, snow, snow technically is a snow. Anytime you get that snow or sand tighter, you're a bastard, and no one wants a bastard to rule. We saw that with the crazy motherfucker that got killed. So no one wants a bastard to be your your main lead. So I do believe she's either gonna take it or it's gonna fall on Bran. But the reason I don't think it's gonna fall on Bran because I think Bran's gonna go on kind of on that um. I don't think Maester tip. I just think more on the magic tip where he's going to be that like, he's going to be like, yeah, I know I should take over and become the new ruler. But uh, you know what? I, I got this major responsibility of being this tree dude. And that's what I got to do. I got to be that, that magic guy to help bring the kingdom on. We haven't talked a lot about uh, Tyrion and I'm kind of interested in uh, what would his role be in this upcoming season? Is he, is he going to marry anybody or is he just going to be a, an advisor to Daenerys? So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what he would do. Uh, for a prediction, I would say he marries somebody. Maybe Daenerys to consolidate. You think consolidate, he's going to get Daenerys? Maybe to consolidate some power in some sense. I don't know. Just, just to, What power would she get from the imp? Here's if His by watching like the, the end, box with God. watching that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> no, but I feel what I feel what Lonnie's talking about because at the end of the last season, you see Daenerys getting really close to Tyrion, right? And you see them getting a very strong bond that she hasn't had with anybody else. Almost like that scene where she where she gave him the uh, the the hand, right, to, to be the right hand or whatever. You see him like it's kind of intimate. That was kind of that was an intimate scene. I agree with so so I think you can see something. I wouldn't put that. You know that wouldn't that. It's not, you know, it's not that far-fetched, I think. I what you said about the power, about, you know, who, you know, the closeness. But my question to you is, she's all about power consolidation and making her way to the Iron Throne. What power consolidation can he really give to her that John can't give, which is a natural born as well as somebody like anybody else? Yeah, I, th I mean, I think that, you know, I think she's also someone who's prone to follow her heart as well. Yeah, she, she's definitely going trying to get that crown but if she doesn't see Tyrion getting away with that you know if yeah i think that, again i don't think it's necessarily going to happen but if it does i don't see her marrying him as something that's out of uh out of the realm of possibilities let me hop in there real quick before yeah, yeah. you give your predictions i just want to piggyback off of what you guys said i think the the possibility of what he brings to the table of power wise one he is a lannister so he does have some rights to the lannister house as well as he knows how to run King's Landing. 
He knows the politics of King's Landing. She has no idea the politics of King's Landing. She has no idea the politics of that side of the world. He does. And with him and Varys, that gives a nice little corporation between them three. And I can see that being a possibility because he is with all the women from the every season or every season that he's been with women on a, on a real like relationship basis, he's treated them fair, respectful in, in relation to those times. So I can see her from the, like in a relationship aspect of her saying, yeah, he's a good dude. He also knows this, that can help me acquire power. Why? Like, why not? Versus there's really nothing holding him back for her to say, no, not him. Yeah, shout out to my all my little people, but he's an imp. They're they're not getting together. That's that's just not happening. Uh, because <laughs> let's also look at the women that he's interested in too. Uh, lower born women, some of them former whores, uh, yes, whatever he's married. Some insecurities. He's, he's, they he's, have he's, he's not yeah. into power like that. It suited him well when he was, you know, the second in command. Which, to be quite honest, too, other than like a wildfire trick. I mean, he was running King's Landing okay. He ran Marine into the fucking ground. Let's be quite honest about it. Like, if I could go ahead and choose a, um, which is going to be a topic for another day or whatever, but if I could go ahead and choose a hand, I'd definitely choose Davos over Tyrion all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. Um, So... No, um, she's probably going to end up sleeping with her nephew, John, because technically like under the Targaryen thing, she's his aunt. So that that's probably what's going to happen. Like they're going to end up sleeping with that each was, other. That was going to be and my prediction. I was going to say that uh, uh, Daenerys and, and Jon Snow, uh, you know, what I'm saying make an alliance physical or, you know, or not. You know what I'm saying? But come together and take on Cersei or Cersei and Theon's uncle. You know, I, see them, first. Yeah. I don't think they take them on, though. I think they take on the White Walkers. I think the throne gets decided next season. Possibly, possibly. But then also, you know, also would, I'm, I'm really interested to see how Littlefinger plays in it is because he's going to be somewhere making power moves and he's going to have something to do with uh, with how things end up. Before we go on, but I think that I think the uh, Jon Snow Daenerys connection is a little too obvious. And I think one thing that's key with the Game of Thrones series is that they will surprise you. And so that's why I mentioned the... Uh, Tyrion Daenerys connection just in case you know just to throw it out there see what happens but one, one part of my uh, prediction is something that Ben kind of said I do believe uh that she'll never see the Iron Throne but I do think she'll see a throne I think that before we before the end of not the season coming up but season next it was split into do two different monarchies I think since, since they've, they've said it multiple times nobody can take the north I think it's gonna be the north has a kingdom and then, you know, technically the South or whatever you want to call them has a kingdom where they're in unison and the kings talk to each other. It's, it's you know, Jon Snow and her, and then maybe someone else takes over the Iron Throne. I mean, I just don't, I just don't, don't see that. I mean, with Daenerys, like, taking over, she's going to go ahead and get with Jon. They'll go ahead and get together, but I think it's more so for about an alliance. Jon cares about the White Walkers. Everybody else cares about the dumbass crown that has nothing to do with anything. So he's going to convince her, like, I need your dragons to fight the war in the north. She's going to be like, I need you to go ahead and bend the knee for the north or whatever like that. He's going to go ahead and he's going to bend the knee. He's going to go ahead and lick the creation of her pearl. And then that's about to go ahead and be that. And then she's going to convince him to go ahead and fight on her side. But eventually, they, I think, will all come together. Even Cersei. I think they will all realize 
there's this dude that raises his arms slowly in the air and people come back to life. Right. And that's who this, we have to defeat. Right. And I, th- I think this is how the, the series is going to end. Not just this season, but the, the entire series. I think it's going to be, they're going to figure out how to beat the White Walkers. It's going to be huge battle. The whole country is going to be fucked up and the humans will win, but it will be at a ridiculous cost. And I think it's just going to, everything's going to be burnt up and fucked up and there will be someone standing, but they won't have much of a country left. And I think the, you know, it, what, what do they call it? A something victory? A uh, Pyrrhic, yeah, Pyrrhic victory. That's what I think is going to happen. I mean, all of those are great predictions. We got, um, shoot, a couple of hours before uh, we find out some of those predictions, possibly. Before we get out of here, we have a, a special little pool that we're going to roll through. For all the listeners out there, this is how, it, this, is how this works. You're going to pick your bet on, let's see here, we got seven questions. You have seven, or seven bet lines. You pick your bet. And if you get it correct, you have an option for, we have a surprise gift that you'll find out if you win it. Um, We also have a shout out on the podcast. And then another gift is a spot on the podcast. Let's get into these questions. And I'm going to throw these questions out to you guys because we want to see if you guys are right about these predictions as well. First prediction or bet line. And this is called the Game of Thrones death pool. The first question is over under... Arya killing 5.5 people this season. I'm going under. I think she's just going after big dogs. She's not going to be out here just killing scrubs. I'm going definitely over. I think she's going to kill the big dogs, but I think she's about to go on like a rampage and kill some other motherfuckers doing a war or something. I'm going over. Yeah, over. Okay. Question number two. Will Jorah Mormont find a cure? This season. Yeah. Again, think, all of these are specifically for this season. I think he getting saved like magic in the 90s, baby. He find that cure. I got to agree with that. I think he's had that ultimate epiphany and all of a sudden, like some, some, something that he can never figure out all of a sudden is going to come like, like fucking Tinkerbell tapping him with some magic wand. No cure. For the Arya, I'm going, I'm going under. I think they're going to save her real killing spree until the last season. For number two, will, uh, will they find the cure? I, I think I think he will. I, I think you're right. I think he will, but I think it will be something similar to what Ben said. I think it will either be Sam or actually I think Bran. Bran might cure him as well. And so the next question we have here, will Bran take Winterfell by episode five? I think Bran um, by episode five. Yeah, specifically I think episode Bran five. Bran will get to Winterfell. No. I don't think because I think Bran gets to Winterfell in like episode six or seven. I don't think he takes it. I think he gets there. Uh, well, no, I don't think he takes Winterfell. I think he gets there by episode five, but he doesn't take Winterfell. Winterfell will revolve around Sansa. Sansa will be the the keeper of Winterfell. And possibly I also think Littlefinger because I think Sansa and Littlefinger will have a wedding. I agree with parts of that. Uh, I don't think Bran's going to take it at all because I don't think that's like his role in this show. I think it's going to be a Snow slash Sansa Littlefinger help taking over. I don't know about the marriage part, but I do think it's going to be a Jon Snow takeover Winterfell. Yeah, I don't think he's going to take take Winterfell by episode five. I don't think he's going to take it either. I don't think he's going to. I agree with um, uh, everybody here that I don't think he's going to take it, period. But I do think that... Um, I do. I, I think Sansa is going to take Winterfell. I don't think it's going to be Snow. I don't think it's going to be Sansa and Littlefinger. I think it's literally just going to be Sansa. Who will sit on the Iron Throne? None other than the baddest chick in the game. Off with their heads. Cersei Lannister will continue to sit on the throne until the final season. 
I disagree. I think by the I think she'll she'll do most of this season, but I think by the end or somewhere close to the end, she's either gonna be killed or she's gonna be taken off the throne. I agree with Ben. I think she's gonna stay on the throne. I mean, it's the most coveted item in this whole series, and she's basically been either around it or involved with it in in some way, in some form. So I think they're gonna keep it going because we just you know kind of love to hate her and see her there. And I will say, I agree. I think uh, Cersei will be on the throne, but I think it's, I think it's going to be more closer to as, as um, Ben brought up too, as well as that is more going to be of, we all got to figure out the enemy of my enemy is my friend. These white walkers are more important, more, more dangerous than any of y'all. The little political games y'all playing here is peanuts in comparison to, like you said, a man that can raise his hand and people coming up from the dead. That's more important. So it's going to be, she has it. But it's because nobody's really going for it because they have more things in mind. Will the mountain. Oh, this is number five for everybody out there who's keeping track. So definitely you have to tweet us, Instagram or Facebook us your um, responses for them to be counted. You can also email us, but those are going to be the main platforms to do it in. Go to our website. You can get our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's either SonicBreakdown.com or Stay Woke Podcast. So number five, will the mountain be killed this season? No, I do not think the mountain be killed because I think he is only going to be killed at the hands of his brother. And I think the hound will be helping John's ass out in between the north and wherever else they are. For one of the first times in this podcast, 100% agree with Ben. Yeah, I think the mountain is going to be key for uh, Cersei holding the holding the throne. I actually think he will be killed this season. I'm going to agree with brother to the left. I think he will be killed this season. I think he's He's going to be killed fighting for Cersei. It's gonna, he's going to meet his demise. I think it will be probably the last episode. Uh, number six, we're getting close to the end. Which house will Cersei Lannister align with? I think she aligns with House Tyrell and uh, House Greyjoy. Even after what she did to Marjorie? I think if you remember when Sam was sitting down and talking with his father... And the few times that we got a chance to get to know Randall Tarly, I don't think he has a fondness for women being in charge. And now that House Tyrell is in a lot of trouble, I could see Randall Tarly because he has to come back. They don't introduce characters just to have them there. Same reason why people are like, oh, you're on blah, blah, blah. They got dragons. All his ship's going to burn. He's a boss. He's going to be around some. So I think Randall Tarly aligns himself with Cersei, and that's how they get that house. And then it's a no-brainer that Euron Greyjoy floats up to King's Landing with his thousand ships, offers some dick and some ships to go ahead and marry Cersei. I agree and disagree with parts of that. I do think the Greyjoys will align with him, but uh, I'm going to give a controversial one. I think uh, Littlefinger has always been part of the uh, Lannisters, and right now he's just playing everybody, getting that power. Because we've seen before, like his little, his little, what do you call them, his little um, birds? You know what I'm saying? It's now been switched over, but I think he's never really lost that power when it comes to King's Landing. I think he's always still in her pocket, just on, you know, that kind of spy, double spy type shit. And the very last question, will, will one of the dragons die? Without a doubt, Viserion is the one that I'm picking that's going down, uh, named after Daenerys' brother. At some point, if her and Jon are going to sleep together... They're going to go ahead and try to create an alliance. John, I think, will convince her that the White Walkers are real because one thing is her counsel is Tyrion. And Tyrion 
trust John. Him and John have a friendship from when they met each other at the wall. And why she'll probably be like, John, you're crazy. What are you talking about? Reanimated corpses and stuff. Tyrion will be like, maybe you need to hear him out. And I believe John will convince her. He'll get the aid of a dragon, probably Viserion. And, you know, White Walkers ain't nothing to play with. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that, that dragon's going down. And you know what? That's probably exactly how the last episode, if I was writing the series, that's exactly how I write the last episode. I would write the last episode with him killing Viserion the dragon, raising it from the dead, flying it up to the wall and crashing the wall down. That's a pretty, that's a pretty dope ending. I'm not going to lie. I, I disagree. I think a dragon will die, but I don't think it's going to be raised because we know dragons themselves have a magical ability that we haven't we haven't truly got a full understanding of. We have the eggs of the dragons that were you know chilling for years and years and years and didn't awaken until we had Daenerys with the fire. So I honestly think that a dragon from the last war has already been dead that the White Walkers have been working on this whole time during winter. So then, um, you know, like I think the last kind of episode is going to be something similar to him, but different where they're going to come to the wall and, you know, the other three dragons on John's side slash Daenerys' side are going to come up and be like, yeah, I got y'all. Y'all, y'all can't fuck with me. And they're going to fuck up a lot of White Walkers and a lot of dead people. And then all of a sudden, it's going to be like the White Walkers, he's going to give that look like he did when he raised the people when John was running away. He's going to like raise his hand or get a look like like, Nick, y'all ain't got shit on me. And then the next thing we're going to see, we're going to see, like, an ice dragon that was dead from the last war come up and start fucking shit up and destroy the wall and show why the wall, White Walkers are so powerful because they don't just don't bring back regular people. They bring back anything. I think they're going to show that with an ice dragon from the last war and they're going to fuck up everything. I'm going to say, no, I don't think the dragon will die. I think that's going to happen in the last season very early, maybe, like, episode one. Uh, that's my prediction. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with the uh, I'm gonna go with the dragon dying, uh, at least one of them. Yeah, yeah. I think one's gonna get it this uh, this season. All right. Well, I want to say thank you to everybody for coming in and listening to another Stay Woke podcast. Definitely get in on this uh, Game of Thrones death pool and uh, let us know what you think. Go to our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or you can email us at cofounder at thesonicbreakdown.com. First, I want again I want to say thank you to Lonnie, brother to the left. Benjamin and ready for uh, hopping on for another podcast. We're going to try to do more Game of Thrones. Let us know if we should do more Game of Thrones. Let us know if you like our discussion. Please leave us a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, um, Google Play or Stitcher. It really helps. A five-star review is the best. You know our motto, live, listen to some great music, watch some great shows, and above all, love more, man. We out. Game of Thrones, though, do I? Yo, you all caught up. The little guy is going to marry a dragon. We think. But what about Khaleesi's straight up whipped in dragons? <laughs> <laughs>